Hello, thank you for joining me on Humanities Radio. I'm Janet Cunningham with the University of Utah College of Humanities, and today, in honor of the International Holocaust Remembrance Day, we're discussing some of the lesser-known Jewish writers who survived the Holocaust. Meira Schreiber, Associate Professor of English and Chair of the Jewish, Jewish Studies Initiative, is with me to talk about some of the writers beyond those we, we are most familiar with. So most of us have read The Diary of Anne Frank and works by Elie Wiesel, the Nobel laureate and Holocaust survivor. Their stories are incredibly important to the understanding of the suffering inflicted by the Holocaust. However, there are lesser known writers whose contributions are just as valuable and impactful, and that's what we're going to talk about today. So let's start with Art Spiegelman. He's an American cartoonist and author of the graphic novel, graphic novel Mouse, which is about his relationship with his father, who's a Holocaust survivor. And I have never... I. Uh, have heard of uh, Mouse before. So tell us more about this graphic novel novel and Spiegelman or Spiegelman. Okay. Spiegelman. Yes. Um, So I teach at the University of Utah and I teach a course specifically in Holocaust literature. And I have to say that Spiegelman's work, uh, there's two volumes, Mouse 1 and 2, is by far the most impactful and um, uh, valuable reading that the students do. I have many students who uh, want to write about Mouse. They come back to me years later wanting to talk about uh, how the memoir that he has uh, lays out in Mouse has inspired them and helped them think about how to tell Um, stories of their own and stories about their relationships in their families. Um, So it's interesting. I I will also tell you that Spiegelman's Mouse was the first Holocaust uh, non-fiction book I ever read. And the question about whether it's fiction or not is an interesting one that I sort of stopped in my tracks and said, I want to teach this material. It, so it made an impact on me, not just my students. It's a, as you said, it's a graphic novel, sort of a novel, um, or certainly a, a, a memoir perhaps told and in graphic materials. One of the things that's very interesting about it to start with is how do you categorize a book like this? When um, he was first uh, reached the bestseller list when it came out in 1992, the New York Times wanted to put it on uh, the list for a fiction. And he was enormously upset because to put a work about the Holocaust that's grounded very much in real story about his father's suffering, to say that that's fiction opens a door to terrible, terrible um, things, specifically Holocaust denial. So it's a controversial text. 
by now we've gotten it's it's become canonical but it's still a shock because in it uh the jews are represented as if mice and nazis are represented as if cats and to some people readers they looked at it and said this trivializes the holocaust this makes light of it and it's taken us a long time to understand that the holo the horrors of the holocaust are very hard to tell it's hard to relay them and that it takes multiple strategies and many different um kinds of narrative to make the horrors and the long reach of the holocaust uh available to really help people understand why we have to keep keep talking about it and why we have to keep remembering it um so that's just a place to start with with Spiegelman so i'm really interested in this aspect of uh the graphic novel and so can you talk a little bit about why or how 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 can the graphic novel tell the story in a way that a regular novel just can't? Well, if you've ever looked at graphic novels, and I really hadn't until I started teaching this book, one of the things that you realize is that the whole page makes a difference. And the things are happening on the page uh, not just in the narrative, the the words that are happening, but the images that are happening. So there's at least two major ways in which information or uh, the narrative is being told. One page, and I feel like that old Bob and Ray comic story about, you know, they're on a uh, comedy routine about being... Um, on the radio and saying, wish you could be here. And they're trying to talk about things that you can't see because it's on the radio. That's kind of how I feel right now. <laughs> but one of the things is um, if you look at it and you have to look at it, he's talking about the um, relaying the story of his father and his mother and how they're caught. And the way he represents it is by showing them in the middle of the page and there's a, a, a landscape behind them and the landscape is in the shape of a swastika. And it shows how they have no any way they go, any direction. If they turn to the right, to the left, if they go east, if they go west, it doesn't matter. It's all you know, in, in hands of um, the Third Reich. And to teach students who often ask, why didn't people escape? Why didn't they just run away? That picture explains it in just a, a moment of strong visual recognition, how the gates and the ways out were closed. So that's something that happens on the page it's more you know sometimes pictures are are more powerful or differently powerful than words and spiegelman does both mm -hmm. and there's probably not many um i would imagine graphic novels about the holocaust or any sort of book with pictures it's interesting there just in about three years ago a um a graphic novel version the diary of Anne Frank came out. Oh. 
Yeah. So perhaps your listeners would be curious yeah. um, pursuing that as well. I, I, I think it's worth a look. I don't find it as um, rewarding and I don't learn as much as I did from mouse, but it's certainly an interesting um, effort. And I think, again, the question about how do you make people understand exactly how small that space was <laughs> that, you know, that she and how that space was hidden behind, a, you know, a door, the visual text speaks volumes. Wow. So uh, for the sake of uh, time, I wish we could talk more about all of these writers in depth. Sure. Um, let's move on to Ida Fink. Uh, okay. Fink was born in Poland, and she, um, from what I understand, she and her sister were able to escape the country after the German invasion using forged papers. And she wrote, un unlike the kind of we were talking about Spiegelman, she did write in fiction. Correct. Yes, to she did. To, so she wrote in, in fiction to describe kind of what life was like under Nazi occupation. So what was her experience like and why did she choose fiction? I think she chose fiction, although I, I'm careful about um, even using the word fiction because it's it's an imaginative um, uh, inquiry into the question, what happened, right? And there's always that tension between that enormous question, what happened, how did it happen, and then how we imagine it. So her writing, which is very poetic, um, I was uh, in anticipation of our conversation, I was looking again at a story that I teach um, uh, as part of this, it's called The Tenth Man. And it's a story about after the war, about when, what was it like to wait for people to come home? And they don't come home. Right. But people wait. And it's just, um, it, it silences you in very important ways that allow you to imagine what's it like if no one returns. So she turned, it's interesting, she, um, she's kind of late uh, as, a, as a writer. She began writing in her 40s and she lived in Israel. Um, and I, it, one of the things I think you feel in her writing very much is an effort to find the language to tell the stories. Um, that these are hard stories to tell. And there's um, almost a searching for words that she does in these stories that are very, very beautiful. Mm. Her, her book, so her book, A Scrap of Time and Other Stories, mm -hmm. um, a collection of stories from what I understand, won the first mm -hmm. Anne Frank Prize. What are some of um, the themes she explores in these stories. You talked kind of about the tenth man, but what what are these other stories beyond that? Um, so one of the things um, she talks about the world that was lost, the beauty that was lost. Um, it's a place of remembering her stories, 
um, and grasping at the difficulty of remembering. I think that's another very important thing that comes through in Holocaust fiction is um, that the memory, the act of remembering is sometimes necessary, but almost always enormously painful. And the pain of remembering really comes through in her writing. I think the other thing that comes through is that one of the reasons I proposed her to you initially was that she's an example of a woman writer. And I think we'll get a chance to talk about another one as well. But one of the things um, that's happening in Holocaust literary studies now is that there were really excavating a space and recognizing that women had different experiences in the war and that uh, in, during the Holocaust, and they had different experiences in the camps, and that those stories need to be told. Um, so one of the things also that she really contributes very beautifully um, to the larger understanding about the Holocaust is um, how people were sustained by relationships. Um, she had a, a close relationship with her mother, and that um, that relationships informs a lot of the stories as well. Lastly, let's talk about Ruth Kluger. She was a Holocaust survivor and wrote about her childhood in Nazi Germany. Her memoir, Still Alive, it kind of it not it doesn't just talk about her time in the concentration camps when she was a child when she was a young child. She also kind of goes much further beyond that and talks about kind of the difficulties she faced as she just navigated the rest of her life. Uh, can you talk more about this memoir? And and I and from what I understand also stirred some controversy. So the the question about Kluger, she's a, a relatively new writer for me. I've just started um, teaching her uh, really just last fall. And I think she's an incredible um, voice in this whole uh, landscape of Hol uh, Holocaust literature. One of the things that's distinctive about her is that she's very feisty. She is, and one could even say flinty, cranky. Um, she's not nice. <laughs> and that's important, I think. In, and in that way, it's a little bit like in, in Art Spiegelman's um, narrative, her father isn't nice. And I think especially when we have idealized Anne Frank for all kinds of legitimate reasons, but we tend to pity and, not, and, and almost turn um, those who suffered and died in the Holocaust or survived but carried, you know, deep, deep wounds, we tend to be sentimental about them. And we don't realize, first of all, these were incredibly vibrant, often in these cases of the writers, really, really smart people who um, had a lot to say. And um, their lives were really torpedoed by what happened 
right? And there are consequences to that, right? There, the wounds, the consequences of these kinds of wounds are not always um, ones, you know, that we want to, to draw close to, quite the opposite. I, I think Ruth Kluger would probably have been a difficult person to be friends with, frankly. Um, she's, you know, she, she's difficult. Um, I think, though, that said, I think one of the things she does is she's very um, upfront about the privileging of male writers in Holocaust writing. And she's um, sometimes some of the controversies i'm not sure john if this is what you're referring to but she's almost um uh she errs to a fault when she tries to represent uh the third reich as solely a masculine um event right and that she's you know she sees in, in oversimplified ways a gendered war going on as well. It's interesting um, for purposes of teaching and discussion and, and for your readers out there, it's certainly worth looking at because it makes you ask, okay, what was the experience of women? Where were, right. you know, all of that. So she's terrific um, as somebody who really um, makes a space for it. She's also really different from Ida Fink, who's so poetic and has this lovely uh, relationship with her mother, where Ruth Kluger does not like her mother at all. And, um, and for students, at least, it, it's good for them to see a complicated family relationship. And again, it goes much further than Anne Frank and, and such in, in really um, displaying the intricacies. These were real people mm -hmm. and they had complicated lives. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think, kind of what intrigued me about, I mean, I had, I had never heard of Ruth Kluger, but when I was kind of researching her book, um, made me realize in, the, in what I have read about Holocaust survivors, I haven't read much about what happened after the Holocaust. Yes. And how they yes. were how they went on with their lives and how, you know, they came to they immigrated to other countries or came like in uh, Ruth Kluger's case, I think she came to the US, right? Yes, she did. And so I think we don't hear much about how, you know, they had to they had this whole rest of their life that they need to deal with after all of these right. horrible years. So Right. And and the ghosts mm -hmm. in um, in Kluger's uh, narrative, she's haunted by her brother's ghost, and she has a really beautiful and heartbreaking um, uh, narrative of where she talks about uh, being a housewife, a suburban housewife. And in in New Jersey, um, she her family's I I think working at Princeton and she um, uh, writes a poem about Halloween and called Halloween and a ghost. And she imagines that her brother who had died in the Holocaust and she watched him being snatched um, comes to knock at the door too, as part of a Halloween performance. And the, yeah, and the idea that you can be living a new life and your past is always present. Oh, absolutely. And so what, um, so what class are you teaching these books in? 
So I teach a class that's called Holocaust Literature and Culture. Okay. Um, and yeah, and I teach these books and others as well. Okay. And is that an undergraduate course? It's an undergraduate course, but it's open to HB 40 people and oh, such. Wonderful. So yeah. And I love having many, many generations in the room. Yeah, I bet that makes for intriguing conversations because these books, they all seem like they would target and attract a completely different audience. So to bring everyone together would be very interesting. It is, it is. And I get interesting students, if I may, I had a, of a student who's a First Nation member of a First Nation tribe, and he will be joining, I hope, um, our graduate program. And he came to the class because he wanted to find language for talking about first generation, uh, first nation genocide. Wow. And to have him there and to share his sorting out the consequences of what happened to his tribe and Mm -hmm. his family and to put it in context of this historical phenomena is exactly the connections that we need to make as we go forward. That was Mayera Schreiber, Associate Professor of English. For more information about the University of Utah College of Humanities, please visit humanities.utah.edu.